Cheers to another one. Knives down. Aprons off. The last table is served. The station is broken down. Everything's put away. Your inventory is complete. And now it's time to meet me on the back dock where all the most important meetings are held. We chef! Take a deep breath and enjoy a job. Well done. At ease, kick off your clouds. Smoke them if you got them. What a nice cold beverage. How about a nice glass of Leinenkugel Shandy, the summertime brew? Oh, yes, Chef. Now let's get to the good stuff. And typically this on-the-dock portion is, you know, more about a little bit more transparent and vulnerable. So... You just have to get just, more vulnerable about than talking about the I, death of my family. The death know. of your family. Uh, by the way... I wanted to start off by saying, I'm so sorry to hear about your folks. I'm really sorry to hear about the fact that, um, not you couldn't, but that you made the decision not to be present for your grandfather's funeral. And I say that in all sincerity, because I've made similar choices in my career. But I'm just curious, over the last three years with the pandemic and the shutdown, how have you dealt with that emotionally? And what were some of the toughest things that you've had to overcome since then? Yeah, I mean, um, looking at what my business from a business standpoint was going to look like with the pandemic. I mean, I'm very fortunate that in my life, nobody got really sick. Nobody I knew died from COVID or any of that. My in-laws who are very immunocompromised, they live with us. They're in their 80s. Neither mm. one of them is still to this day had COVID, which is a miracle <laughs> because I think everyone's had it at this point. Right. You know, I, I do. Th so looking at my podcast, one of the things that I really loved about that was for me, it was a way of staying connected. I think we've seen a huge rise in mental stress, whether it be depression or anxiety over the years in general. Mm -hmm. And I think with COVID, with so many people being isolated, that ramped up. And I will say, I love that I'm able to get back out into, you know, being around people in person. But with me, the podcast was also a place where I felt I could connect. If nothing else, a couple times a week, I could get together via Zoom and mm -hmm. connect with someone, you know, on a personal level. So that was good. My business actually did better financially the two years of COVID than it's ever done. And that was really interesting for me. So thankfully, I did not have to deal with the the stresses of saying, wow, I might have to throw in the towel and not work. Now, there's a lot of stress when you go into people's houses. I mean, I was cooking through the right. pandemic and double mask, you know, N95 goes on and then a cloth mask goes over it. And then I'm mm -hmm. going in their house and I'm not even taking that off to drink in their house, mm. you know, so it's like. I'm just trying to huff and puff for four hours in their home so that they can have their nice, you know, St. Patrick's Day party at their home with their with their friends, not social distancing while I'm just mm -hmm. trying to make a dollar to keep my family in our house. Right. What are the names of your twins, if you don't mind me asking? Benjamin and Abigail. <laughs> and how old are they now? They will be 11 tomorrow. <laughs> Happy birthday for crying yes. out loud. Yes, today we have some cake making and such later this afternoon. And are you going to involve them in the cake baking? It's my daughter's project, 100%. And actually, <laughs> we're also making this little Japanese. She's interested in anime and she got an anime. It's called Cook Anime. And it's like uses like white bean paste and red bean paste and sugar. And you make these little things and you decorate them like little flowers and stuff. So 
Uh, we're going to do that as well as making a Battenberg cake. So a marbled, you know, she'd like this checkerboard square that's like strawberry mm. and then chocolate with ganache and rolled out marzipan. So my son's just like, he just wants to go to Rita's and get a couple buckets of water ice. So we're going to make enough cake and stuff. So we're doing a joint party. So we're going to have 20 children at my house tomorrow. Wow. It's so a lot, but at least we get it out of the way. One shot. Would you, uh, would you recommend going in the culinary industry f- to your children? Like if your daughter like gets it I, in her, bo- be in her bonnet and she's like, I want to sure. be a chef like daddy. I think you should always do what you love. And I think there's going to be so many more options. I mean, just now, like what I'm doing now, I think that's why you're seeing kind of the rise in the personal chef, because there's a lot of people are interested in food and cooking, but we're turned off at the low wages, the toxic work environment, the lack of work-life balance. I will have video and photos coming out soon, but I needed to do a new, I wanted to do a new trailer for my business, kind of highlighting what I do. And I took my daughter with me the other day and she did four hours of video she was holding the camera most of the time. I have a friend who has an Airbnb and she gave me the Airbnb for the day. So she was my sous chef slash production assistant. So she's someone who's very creative. So she might even get into the food photography. And so I've got some great B-roll footage of her with the camera and taking shots, but she did, she did four hours with me. She helped me prep food when I needed it. She did all the dishes, but she held the iPhone so that I could get some shots because I can do shots of the, the food, but I wanted shots of me in action shots. And sure. she did that. And I paid her 50 bucks. I probably underpaid her, but for her, that was like a million dollars. So uh, there has so, been know, a rise in child labor laws. I just, <laughs> but we have, we have talked about, I, I mean, there are times where I, I hire people to come and all I need them to do is serve food. It's at some point, my kids are going to be old enough to run plates to people out in the dining sure. room. So you know, we're going to test that water in a, a couple of years, I think, and see if they like it. But I would never make them do something they didn't want to do. Yeah. I mean, my my kids grew up in and around the business. I remember specifically my two daughters running up the back stairs of this uh, this movie theater that we built in Boca Raton. That was the very first one in the nation that had a, 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 a verified full-service restaurant on top and not just fucking nachos. But they own that place for the longest time. And they thought it was like the greatest thing that they could pop into any movie theater. They'd go downstairs where the concessions were and people would like turn them on. And I thought I was being a bad dad. (laughs) It turns out that it was like one of the highlights of their life that they just had run of this building. But I didn't necessarily, you know, think it was a great idea for them to get into the hospitality business. And yet they both became bartenders. And they're such strong-willed young ladies that, you know, the power behind the bars <laughs> fit them quite well. But there's um, a lot of transferable skills there, right? Without like, a doubt. I, I, would, I would not have, you know, and what I loved about working in like a retirement community or big organizations like that is I was not just an executive chef in a restaurant where you're maybe just in charge of food. I mean, I was doing things like going to board meetings, putting together, yep. working heavy finances, looking at marketing. I worked at Ikea. Their marketing is crazy. And when all my friends said, why would you go to Ikea? It's like, they're one of the biggest companies in the world. I worked at their North American home office in Pennsylvania where, you know, we got to do, it was like an R and D kitchen. We got to do stuff I couldn't do anywhere. And even if I never went back to the food world, I left there with some marketing experience, you know, so people working in restaurants, whether it's customer service, whether it's, I mean, everyone needs to know how to cook to feed themselves, you know, unless you're going to, have a spouse who wants to cook all the time. You just want to eat out. But I mean, having cooking skills is a life skill. So I don't knock it, but it, you know, it's tough. I would be brutally honest about what the restaurant industry is like. Sure. Sure. And 
what are you currently doing for your own self-care? So I do martial arts with my son, which has been amazing. Yeah, I karate. It's a <laughs> Japanese style called Koryu Uchinari. Yeah, my, you know, my son, very active, has ADHD, needs to keep moving. He was doing indoor soccer. And then, you know, because of pandemic issues, they shut that down. Mm-hmm. And then it was safe to go back to doing that stuff. There was karate in the winter and it was like November 2021. 20, and my wife said, oh, there's karate at the Y. I think Ben would be great. I said, cool. And she said, it's all ages. Why don't you do it? And I was like, <laughs> you know, at the time, I'm like, I'm 45, I'm 6'4", and almost 280 pounds. Like, that sounds crazy. And I've never done this before. Sensei is actually a chef and a friend of mine. So Mm. it it wasn't as intimidating. But then you get in there, and as a white belt, you're segmented out. And it is me and like half a dozen nine-year-olds with all the parents there watching. (laughs) So like, I'm out there. I've never done any of this, but uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude. I've already belted up three times and in the next couple of weeks, I'm hopefully going to get my next belt and I really like it. And even last month, my son took a break. He took the month off because he had camps and other things. And I continue to do it without him mm-hmm. because I've really, you know, it's, it's physical for me. It's a way to get out my energy. So that's been a big thing for me is doing that. And I never thought, I mean, I never did anything like that. And I wasn't a big sports bot guy in general, and then combined with, we joined the Y. So we do karate at the Y. It's less expensive. If you're a member, we were never members. And then my kids wanted to do swimming there. Again, you can't even get into swimming if you're not members. So we signed up and I said, well, now we've got a membership. I need to do this. So I've started lifting weights for the first time since I was like in my twenties and uh, dropped 35 pounds since January. So that's been really good. Staying on that between the gym and the karate, and then just making sure that I eke out time. I I do not like schedules. I do not like plans as much as I want to have like, you know, a a one-year plan, a five-year plan, like Mm. daily schedule. I get up and I kind of like, oh, what am I going to do today? I know that's not the best way to be, (laughs) but making sure that I put a couple things on the calendar so that I can anchor myself and say, at least if I get up and whether it's, you know, 20 minutes of meditating or writing in a journal or something like trying to find some time in the day to do something that's just for me. You know, I have a friend of mine who says that we as a culture do a really crappy job at communicating to those who want to come into the industry or have a desire to come into the industry. We do a really crappy job of like being really clear with them about what they can expect, meaning that you know, you can pick up a skill and you can pick up some folks pick up skills very rapidly. You can learn how to make one omelet and and then make 300 exactly the same. Yet there are some things that you're just not going to understand or be able to master until you actually mature into, you know, you become a mature professional. And at that point, there's a whole shift. Did you find that like in your career that you also kind of went through that thing, like where it at the first, it's like all fire and brimstone. And then at some point, you're just like, well, wait a second. Let me put this all in context now. Yeah. As, you know, when I came out of culinary school, it, it was still a relatively new-ish thing. Not terribly mm-hmm. new, but I think the idea was like, you were given the impression that when you came out of culinary school, you knew it all and you were going to start at the top, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. And again, I had never even Surprise. worked at a restaurant. I wasn't even working at like a real restaurant. Uh, some <laughs> people go to culinary school and they have an awesome job on the side. I did not mm. and wasn't really prepared that like, you're like, 
oh, wow, like I learned how to make sauerbrot in one day in that class. Like, I'm never going to make that again. That was a waste of time. And you start looking at all the things that you learned. Like, oh, we coded a bunch of shit in chauffeur. Like, I didn't right. do that. I wish I knew how to butcher fish better, you know? Mm. So really humbling yourself of like coming into the kitchen. And I've never really been one of those personalities. Like, I am always the quietest one and don't want to take the lead. That's how I was. So I wasn't super aggressive with that, but you do kind of have this feeling like, man, I didn't I pay my dues? I spent like $150,000 and have done four years of training. Like I should at least have, you know, a leg up on some of these guys and really humbling yourself that to the point where now I don't even necessarily recommend culinary school. But at the time I, I kind of looked at people and be like, I went to culinary school. I don't, you know, like, and kind of look down on people in the kitchen who didn't. Sure. And now it's the opposite. It's kind of like, Oh wow, like that makes sense. I could see like not wanting to be $150,000 in debt. And if I had just started cooking at 18 years, I think in 4 years I would have learned so much. If I went to a really good restaurant and worked my face off, even if I was getting minimum wage, the the swing would have been huge. I still would have come out with more money in my bank account mm -hmm. and more knowledge than going to culinary school. So this this question, this last question may seem redundant because I think you've made your point quite well, but is there one thing in your culinary career that you would have changed? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the, the big one, but again, the, the times were different, right? Like now there's sure. also so many other tools, like not that it's a replacement. I would never say you can get the same education by watching YouTube is going to the CIA, but there's a lot more, the quality of cookbooks out there, being able to network with people via social media, you know, that kind of stuff. But it was just a different world. Like, so I, I don't know what else I would have done. But you did touch on the fact about like maturity. I don't know that I was ready at 18. You know, I lived at home with my parents while I was 18 and I wasn't ready to kind of explore the world and be an adult. It was nice that I had like another four years to kind of find myself and the, mm -hmm. the growth, the personal growth that I went to through those four years, you know, was invaluable. And then if nothing else, I bet my best friend and my wife at culinary school. So you know, worth spending the money there, I guess. Ah, nice side benefit. I wish, pal. I wish I'd started my business sooner is, is one of the things or, or figured out what I wanted to do sooner, you know, other than just kind other of, other than like, you know, when you say like, listen to anybody wish, else. Yeah. Yeah. Like going back, had more confidence in myself at an, an earlier age, I would have worked on self growth as well. Your own, your own personal development. Yeah, my own personal development. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Chris, this is, uh, you've been very generous with your time and your conversation. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show again. It's oh, always good I, to talk to people in the food world. And yeah. it's nice to not be the one who has to figure out the questions. You know, the cha <laughs> the challenges of interviewing, getting ready to talk to someone is always a little more. It's like, I need a full hour or so before I interview someone. So it's nice to be able to just show up, pick up the mic, turn on the microphone and just talk about what I do. Yeah. Well, we wish you continued success. And uh, I think if I'm not part of that Facebook group, I think I'm going to join. Yeah. I'll make sure that you find the link and I'll maybe approve you. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure and let me know what the link is so that I can include it in the show notes, because I'm sure that there's going to be listeners out there who already see the benefit of being with such like-minded people. So um, yes, I would love thank that. you very much for your time. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Adam. All right. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of Chef Life Radio's 
on the dock. If you enjoyed this bonus content from Chef Life Radio, then head over to cheflifebrigade.com and join the only free online community dedicated chefs who are ready to enjoy their careers without sacrificing their lives with monthly live stream hot seats, exclusive content, and more at www.cheflifebrigade.com. At Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard, just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck it up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island, more partnership and less put up or shut up, and we get to have more community and less fuck you. We chef! And finally, we believe in you. Consider for a second, for all the blood, sweat, and tears we put into what we do, it really, at the end of the day, just some stuff on a plate. None of it really matters. It doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just a dance that we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it. Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it? Like it, Hefe. I put love it. I am humble. Goddamn Victoria Fox, I don't live on now. <laughs> Stand tall and frosty, brothers and sisters. Until next time, be well and do good. In case you didn't realize it, we just got our asses kicked in there, man. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the other goddamn social media sites at Chef Life Radio, all one word. Visit us on the website at chefliferadio.com. Oh, yes, Chef. This show was written, produced, and recorded by me, Adam Lamb, at the Dish Pit Studios in Bardo, North Carolina, and co-produced by Thomas Stephenson of podlike.com. On the Dock is a production of Realignment Media. <laughs>